Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. On today's episode, I'm joined by Rhys Alden. Rhys, how are you? I'm very well, as always, Matt. And once again, looking forward to the discuss all things Partick Thistle. Heather Holloway's here. Heather, are you well? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Matt. It's super to be back. I've missed you all a lot. I feel like I've had quite a long absence. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to being back and talking about this one. It's worth saying that you didn't miss a couple of games. You weren't serving a, a pod suspension uh, like Jamie McDonald does today for his, his poor partridge this one last week. Um, and rounding off our panel is David Forrest. David, are you well? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, looking forward to talking about the weekend. David, I'm going to start with you. Uh, listeners to last week's Draw, Lose or Draw versus Airdrie episode will have, will have heard Colin Telford um, bite back at our claims that Airdrie is maybe not the best championship away day. And I believe you spent a Saturday afternoon in Colin's company. Did he manage to change your mind? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank the embassy for negotiating my release. <laughs> I'd like to know that, you know, my, I hope my fellow political prisoners are eventually get home to their family and friends uh, sometime soon. But um, yeah, I mean, it was quite funny because we, we we went early doors and we went to the West End Bar. Now, I don't really read the Daily Record except for the excellent Robbie Copeland, in case he's listening. Um, but um, I, I turned up in like my thistle scarf and thistle top, right, at 11 a.m. And um, they were like, you need to take the scarf off. I'm like, all right, OK, it's 11 a.m. in the morning. But yeah, it's fine. I'll go sit in my seat and say, no, you need to take it off now. And I'm like, OK, right, fine. But, but you know, odd and very forceful, but fine, I'll take it off, no bother. And I went down and then I realised that I was told that that was the pub where the St. Johnson fan tweeted out about, which I didn't, I didn't even, I thought you were just making a joke last week about just eh, something, you know, me square going nature fans. Turns out that this idiot had just, like, invited all the head cases in Airdrie to come. So fair enough to them, you know, the first away fan that comes in after that, they're like, no, you, you need to, to you know, but, um, it was good. Um, West End Bars, uh, a lovely uh, wee place. Um, and then we went to a snooker place that looks at my uncle's attic. Um, it was great fun. And we went to Christie's, the Bakers. And um, well, I saw a Thistle fan is getting a police escort to the grounds. 40 to 50 people getting like an actual police escort to the grounds. And I, I couldn't believe it. It was it was very odd. But no, like it's it's just it is all about the planning. You can it's not cove, right? It's you know, that I think that's the best way to put it, it's not cove. It's a perfectly fine day out. I did enjoy my day out. Um it's not like Arbroath or or you know, Europe or anything like that. But you know, you, you make you make of it your own. If you had to describe the town of Airdrie in one word, David, we'll go on to the football team in a minute, but the town in one word. Um, grafters. 
Excellent. I'm, I'm impressed you managed to keep to the one word limit there. Um, congratulations. Heather, since you've been off, I'll throw you the, the hospital pass of the starting 11 question. Brian Graham was ill and Tommy Adelaide came in, but other than that, it was unchanged from the, the previous week's win up at Dingwall. Were you quite happy when you saw that on Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people have been naturally just thinking about the fact that Tommy obviously is in good form at the moment and it would be interesting to see him starting up top. Obviously, we saw Rico Ziak do it a few weeks ago or like a month ago now, like, you know, and just and, and a difference that brings us. I thought Tommy was was absolutely fantastic. But also, you know, I feel like we're very lucky to be, you know, what our, our top goal scorer is unavailable and then we bring on like Adeloy like that is quite an impressive replacement as you would say I also think like Scott Robinson's been absolutely fantastic um recently and obviously he was quite clinical in Dingwall but uh, I thought on Saturday for that first spell I thought he was absolutely brilliant and um and it's been exciting you know obviously I've had to eat my words a little bit about Blair Alston um at the start of this season and and the kind of player that he's become but I think seeing the way that Scott Robinson is, the way he's going forward, the speed and agility that he has, it just shows what we were missing when he was out. And um, I think it's I think it's just exciting for, you know, the run into the end of the season. We don't have a game to previous. So I'll ask you a question about sort of future team selection now. How hard do you think it's going to be for Dan O'Reilly to get into the team? Because I think that was the big decision Chris Jordan had to make. And he went with Aaron Muirhead. And I thought it was a fine again on Saturday. How... How hard is it going to be for him to get in the team now that he's he's not made his debut yet in the, the first few weeks? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's became an awkward one for him because we're all kind of waiting for Dan O'Reilly to get the nod, but it's not really going to happen when Muirhead's doing fine. And I wouldn't say Muirhead's setting the world alight, but he's he's not doing enough to get dropped at the moment. And I thought that maybe that Dan O'Reilly would have got a run out at some point just to you know get his debut out of the way and, and get some minutes in the legs. But now that's probably been like, a month or something since he actually last played a game and now he's going to need time to so I get up to speed with things again and it's it's I uh, that that was the one that we all thought we all thought that he wouldn't play the first game against Morton because he'd be coming out the team when we go up to Ross County and he's cup tied so internally I feel like all official fans had kind of earmarked this as a game where Dan O'Reilly would play and of course Muirhead deservedly kept his, his place so it just it's a matter of time now you feel like almost Muirhead's kind of got one life left and I feel like there's going to come a game where he doesn't have a great game or he makes a mistake or something. And at that point, that's where O'Reilly comes in. Unless, of course, there's an enforced change through injury or suspension somewhere. I think, you know, it's Muirhead's jersey for the time being. Um, and that's just the way things are. As I said last week, you sign any player. Competition can only be a good thing for, for any team. You look at the forwards, like like Heather mentioned, you know, I'd, I believe that Adelaide would start for every team in the league bar us and Dundee United. And, I include Rafe Rovers in it. I think he's better than Jack Hamilton and, and probably Rudden, but he's unlucky that he, he plays for us and Brian Graham is a top scorer and, and club captain. But, you know, to have even Rico Diak there, and, and, and honestly, I probably would have been tempted to start Rico Diak at the weekend just off the back of how he played in the last start against Erdry. I thought he was terrific that day. Um, but obviously, you know, Tommy came up trumps and, and fair play to him. He took his goal really well and I thought he'd done a decent enough job because it's a, it's a thankless task playing, playing as a lone striker. Everyone knows that and, you know, Adelaide's hardly going to be chasing lost causes all day, but I thought he'd done well with, with the sort of opportunities that he had. David, I'll come to you in the performance then, I think, in, in the previews of the game. 
most folk were expecting quite an open game. Two teams that like to, to play sort of open and expansive passing football. And I, th- I thought we got that for an hour. I don't know if, if you agree with that. Do you think a draw was a fair result in the end? I think so, yeah. I mean, Airdrie have been in impeccable form at home uh, recently. And we really struggled on the last time. So I think we did have a bit of reservations about how much of a challenge it would be. Um, I agree that after about an hour, I think Airdrie maybe started to wane a little bit and I was really surprised to see them go cynical hatchet men. Um, I mean, like Stevie Lawless was getting sent off if he didn't get taken off because they were just riding him rotten all game. I had him in a headlock at one point and stuff like that, like, um, and some spicy tackles in there. I've not, not really seen that from Airdrie um, this season and it's, it's quite unbefitting of him and it's it showed that we had them on the ropes a little bit and that they had to kind of resort to the the, the dark arts so to speak. But I thought that we did play well. I think um, Alston's miss was um, a bit well, it was a bit of a sickener. But you probably would have taken a point going in. Um, I think maybe expectations were boosted after the county game. But like that, that's a that's a really tough place to go. And I thought that we done really well and we played a million times better than we did in the first game. You know, Airdrie are a decent side and they they dug in and I think that, yeah, it probably was fair. I'm going to go to bat for, for Colin here because I, I don't think Airdrie really did resort to being Hatcher. I mean, I think you're doing them a bit of a disservice. I thought for the first hour of the game, I thought it was quite a an, an open game as we probably expect. I thought we started well for 20, 25 minutes, but when Airdrie got their goal, they were on top for the sort of 10 minutes before that, and then we sort of hit them with a sucker punch. I think the last half hour, I thought the, the sort of maybe the key moment was Chris Dillon bringing Luke McBeth on, because I don't think Muirhead or, or Nielsen had, had bad games, but I thought they were struggling at times to deal with Airdrie sort of launching the ball in behind them at times, and Dillon bringing McBeth on sort of gave Muirhead and Nielsen some protection, and that nullified that aspect of Airdrie's playing, they still tried to draw us out by sort of passing it out from the back and rather than just launching it over the, the two centre-halves and they were sort of mixing up in the first half. But once Macbeth came on in the second half, that really nullified that threat and they were sort of stuck of just passing it out and trying to draw us out. The other aspect, I thought the referee sort of lost control of the game a bit in the in the last half hour. He missed a lot of niggly fouls. He was booking other people that didn't really deserve bookings. So I thought it was a mixture of sort of the subs and not ideal refereeing that sort of saw the game fizzle out but I do agree with you David I think a point was a fair result but I'll I'll maybe go to bat on Colin's behalf because I thought it it turned into a niggly game I don't think either team were dirty it was just niggly for the first hour I thought both teams played some good football and that never really materialised in the the last stage of the game you've got your hand up do you agree with that is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, I, I probably tend to agree with what you're saying there, Matt. I thought it was quite a quite a tactical game anyway. Um, I, like you said, I thought the first 25 minutes, I thought we were well in the ascendancy and I thought that we approached the game in the right way. If you remember back to the last time we went to Erdrey, they just passed us off the park and it was a, an attritional watch. But I thought that we, like, we got it all right at the beginning. We were sort of passing the play from side to side and we're almost toying with our defence at times and you're just waiting for us to to get that early goal because we were kind of stopping them from getting into any sort of rhythm. There's a couple of ones where like, you know, just like we off the ball nudges from like Fitzpatrick and stuff like you could tell it was almost rattling them in the beginning. Um but I know I know you mentioned sort of Stevie Lawless and you all know how we all know how good Stephen Lawless is. But I fought the boy up against him, Mason Hancock, who was getting slaughtered for having that a good head of hair from the guy next to me. Um, but I, I thought he, being honest with you, I thought he was man the match. I thought he'd done 
you know how hard it is to play up against Laws, and I thought he'd done a, an absolutely brilliant job at that. Like you notice from right at the very beginning, every time Laws got the ball, even if you watch the the video that Thistle just tweeted out of the goal, he's just staring at Laws the full game. He's not even watching the ball, and every time it's passed him, he's two hands in Laws's back every time, but not enough for it to be a foul. And I thought he just, I thought he was excellent. And they obviously, they've done their job in nullifying us, especially in the second half where, like I say, Hancock had Laws tied up and Fitzpatrick obviously comes off injured and that's our two key threats, the two wide players. And we just couldn't really get going in the second half. So a draw is probably a fair result in the grand scheme of things. It's a second half that won't live long in the memory. And, and I don't like to mention the referees because it always, to me, it seems like uh, you're just saying that because you didn't win the game, out's an excuse. But the, the standard of referees we've had in the last couple of weeks, is, it's kind of been embarrassing, mate, because it's... It's as if they're just wanting to, it's like wee man syndrome and they want the game to be about them, they want to take ownership and uh, it, it kills a game. You you want the ref to be non-existent and just get on with things and that's when a referee's at his best. We don't want the referee to, to stop and give the players a, a, a daft look as if the crowd's going to get riled up off the ref or no there to watch the ref and stuff like that. It just pisses me off at times. Heather, what was your assessment of the game and do you want to shout out a few individuals who caught your eye in red and yellow? Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with everything you guys have said. I think that the first 15 minutes we were kind of playoff-esque and, you know, seeing that Jack McMillan, Stevie Lawless, um, you know, that that magic between them was absolutely fantastic. And then I think the, the, the kind of the tables turned a little bit and we were, um, I think they, I think they deservedly got the lead. But the thing I have to say that I've quite enjoyed from Thistle since, recently has been that when we have, gone down in games that we have managed to fight back and I think that's a really important um thing to be able to do and um if someone said to me at the start that we'd have two wins and two draws this uh, to start the season I'd absolutely sorry to start like well January I'd take it you know and mother sorry not mother um what am I talking about Morrison and um and Airdrie have both been two quite informed uh, sides who have taken quite a few points off people very recently. And, you know, obviously Martin are on their charge right now. So I think that overall um, it's we're in, a, we're in a good place. For me, I totally agree with Reese at the fact that the second half will definitely not live long in the memory. But I did think that booze at the end were a little bit not really warranted. I thought it was quite a tasty game and there was a lot happening in it. It wasn't boring. It didn't peter out. It just, it, I think we just kind of like cancelled each other out a little bit. I think, well, I did mention that Scott Robinson, I thought he was really, really good in the first half. I also think that Tommy gets should get a lot of credit. He was knackered by the end, but like who wouldn't be when you've played, uh, you know, suddenly you've gone to be, from being on a sub who gets about, you know, between five to ten minutes to suddenly being on for the 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 full game and chasing so much his control was fantastic and I think that he deserves you know I I actually would like to see Tommy play against Livy I think that he would give them a lot of problems and that's not me saying that Brian Graham should get dropped because that does seem harsh but uh, I think that Tommy offers something different but I also think that teams will set up against us thinking that Brian Graham was playing and I think that Tommy offers something different but for me, actually, I think the subs deserve a massive shout out. I mean, Luke Macbeth came on and he just did like exactly what he's been brought in to do. Was there strong in a tackle, loves a shove or two, but also just is quite a formidable person to try and get past. And I think that Stanley and 
uh, Enrico Diak both came on and and gave Chris Doolan a bit of a headache to know what to do for 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 the Livy game because I thought they came on and had a lot of passion and also got themselves really involved and we were you know unlucky maybe at the end not to not to sneak it but I think it would have been a sneak I do think that a one one result is um is was was fair but after what happened to us last time at that stadium which was diabolical. I actually was quite happy of how it ended. Yeah, I think you've made a good point on on the subs. Heather Stammy was really impressive and really impressive in an advanced area where we've not seen him too much this season. You know, he's impressed sort of a bit deeper in midfield, been hard on the tackle and tidy on the ball, but he was he was really effective going by players and putting some good balls into the box as well. On Luke Macbeth, I'd sort of like clarify what I said earlier because I thought he was really, really impressive. I thought he came on and, and helped us defensively. And I'm not blaming him for this, but I think him bringing on did disrupt the balance of a midfield a little bit. And it, again, it's, it's absolutely not a slight on him because he came on and did what he came on to do and protect the back, the two centre-backs, the back four. And he was tidy on the ball, but I think we did lose a little bit in midfield when he came on just with the balance of the midfield with, with Bannigan and Stanway Nixon. David, who else impressed you in red and yellow? I think we got the shout of uh, Macbeth earlier. Um, I, I really liked him. It's been really interesting seeing him develop from essentially a juniors player. I know they're not juniors, but like coming in and he's he's shown us that you uh, he, sometimes do wonder with that sort of signing as to how it will work out. Obviously, Dylan and Erskine were great for us, but you know that's not always the case. Um, and I thought that he was really good when he got a chance. I'd, I I did really. I'd always goal was great. I think the composure he showed to score the goal. Because um, I think that we've had ma- many strikers over the years that if they got themselves into it, it, was a little, it got into a little bit of a fan culture around the keeper and the defender and stuff like that. Probably wouldn't have scored that, and he showed a good bit of composure there. It was a good performance um, from the team overall, but yeah, like Macbeth continues to grow, and Adelaide should, you know, was really cool for the goal. So yeah, I would probably give them a shout. Out. I'm glad you've you've given a proper shout out to Adelaide's goal, David, because you're absolutely cool it was with the finish. Reese actually made a mental note to ask you this and I didn't include it in the, the agenda. But watching Adelaide, he sort of reminds me a bit, and you're the man to ask because you're English team's Man United, he reminds me a bit of Berbatov in the sense that he never looks like he's really breaking sweat, but it's everything about him. He's super cool when he's got the ball. His touch is really good. So cold in front of goal. Do you think that's a fair comparison? Obviously on a different level, but similar type of player. Of course, of course, and and definitely I get 100% where you're coming from, and, and I think I've said it on the pod before, like growing up as a, a Fisso and obviously my United fan, that I loved Berbatov, like Berbatov was one of my, my idols growing up, so to speak, um, but I, he uses the exact same personality, because often Berbatov would, would get slaughtered by, you know, just general punters watching the game, like, that, that guy's not arsed, he, he's no breaking sweat, he's no trying for the team, he doesn't even look happy, and Adoy has the exact same problem if you want to call it problem but it's just his personality and he just looks so cool so composed and that brings you that goal that we got the weekend just having that composure um and the technical ability just to to stay calm in that 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 sense and and round the keeper and it, it's something that you can't train you can't buy that it's just it's just his natural ability um but no i, I thought Adelaide was excellent and I, I i'm happy for him and you obviously you've seen what he posted on on social media after the game um I don't think anyone really knows the ins and outs of it, but he must be going through a tough time, whatever's been going on. Um, so it's good to see that all, all the players were sort of celebrating with him and, and just hopefully everything's all right with him and 
he just keeps on going because it's, it must be a tough time for him not even getting a start now and again. And he always does well when he comes on for us. He provides goals. And you think back to sort of the guys that we've signed in the past, the strikers that have came in to sort of complement Doolin. And like you look at your, your Nathan Eccleston, your Matthias Pogba's. I know it was the Premiership and it's a different level and whatnot, but they'd come in, they'd get a goal or two, and you'd never hear from them again. And, and Adelaide's come in, he's got six goals in, in half a season from very limited game time. That's his third start of the season. They won at Queen uh, Queen of the South in the Cup, Queen's Park away, and then at the weekend there. So he's definitely deserving of his chance in it, and he's taking it. So fair play to him, and uh, brilliant options to have. Absolutely. Heather, I'll come to you with our first listener question. We have plenty of li- listener questions later on in the pod. But Jack Leishman has asked, are we good enough to repeat what we saw at the tail end of last season? So I'll ask you... I'll ask you that question. And how would you assess the rest of the season? Do you think we are set for third, or do you think we can we can look up, or are we still looking behind us? How do you how do you see it panning out for the next few months? Well, I was looking at the table yesterday, and I didn't realise that that's Rafe Rovers lost quite a few on on the bounce. And yes, they are what the informed side this season, but they have had a little bit of a blip, and from looking at the um the points you know we're not a million miles away from them so i don't see why we couldn't see second as uh as a goal i i still don't see sorry david but i still don't see us winning the league but i think we have to look up rather than down i think that playoffs are in our future uh, which is maybe not as scary to say after what happened in dingwall last week and kind of maybe a lot of a few a few rights you know being brought back to that but I do think that I, I'm quite proud of this season in general. You know, it could have been a really tough one for Chris Dillon, a real building season, but we've we've really pushed and we've done a lot. I think that the end of the season will be exciting, and um, it just depends on what we can what we can do as a team uh, in those playoffs because it's it'll be hard no matter what because everyone's going to go remember when about last year but i think overall it's been a it's it's been a it's been a good season i remember matt you talking about the fact that like not being able to get up for games and like kind of dreading a few things and i do think that chris Dillon and the way that these the players have played in in recent months has you know really tackled that problem and um and it is just exciting to be a thistle fan again i don't really know if that answers the question but i think that I think third is realistic. I think playoffs is a must. I think second is achievable. And um, I just hope that if it is the playoffs, it's not heartbreak. Yeah, I mentioned last week since September, Dundee United and Wraith are the, the only two teams that we've lost to in all competitions. So I have been saying for a wee while as well, but I, I do feel like the league might sort of fizzle out for us in the sense that we're a little bit too far away from the top two. To, to really hunt them down and we're a little bit clear of fourth to sort of make it interesting in the sense of looking behind us. I think we will be quite comfy in third. That might change if, if Wraith slump continues and if, if Dundee United don't really pick up. Um, I think when we play Wraith and Dundee United again in the league, that's when we'll really be able to sort of confirm that. I think if we, if we don't beat either of them, we're, we're certainly not going to catch them. Um, but if, you never know if we take six points off, off the two of them when we next in the next round of fixtures, then then who knows? Because when Crystal came in last season, when we really picked up from the start of April, I don't think anyone was expecting us um, to go in the run that we went on. So it's, I'd say it's unlikely, but not impossible at this point. Um, David, we'll move on for the men's team and we'll take a look at the, the Thistle women's team who won 2-1 up at Montrose on Sunday there. 
that confirms back-to-back top six finishes with, with games to spare as well. How impressive a, an achievement is that from the, the women's side this year? It's an it's an unbelievable achievement, to be honest. We we have cemented ourselves as a top six side, not just this season, but you no, know, just in perpetuity over the last couple of years, where we are we are in the top half. Like I think it was always a case of you had your your three big sides in Glasgow, and you had Hibs and Hearts, and there was one side left to kind of make up the top six every year, and we have just staked that claim of it's us every year now for for the last two seasons, and. You don't see the reason why it won't continue. Um, we are doing absolutely brilliantly. Four, I think it's four games to spare, and like we're we've already wrapped up is phenomenal. Also good with the top six is that well, it's good and bad. It's a, it's a double-edged sword because it's you you do have to play Rangers, Celtic, Glasgow City, and Hibs and Hearts all again twice, and you have to think that you know we get another six shots at uh, one of the big Glasgow teams. You have to think we we might take points off them um, at some point, especially with the the cup final coming up. Um, so yeah, an incredible achievement um, from an absolutely brilliant side, and you've got the cup final to look at as well, which we'll get onto in a second. Absolutely, I think you've made a good point there, David, because I remember when they made top six last season and the same chat was going about about how many times you have to play the top teams, and then the end they thought it was a positive thing, even though they were losing the majority of these games against. You know the, the Glasgow teams. Did it preps you for the next season? It, it increases your chances of doing something again. I think that's so key, especially when you're playing one of those teams in the in the League Cup final, which thankfully has been moved to the Sunday. So D- David, I'll stick with you. Our broth on Saturday, Tynecastle on Sunday. Is this the the greatest weekend of away days of all time? I think so, purely based on the fact you couldn't have a European one and then get to another game the next day. I think that. Um, Definitely, our brothers are best away day in Scotland, um, and to go to a cup final. I mean, obviously, you know, we'd like to go to Hamden for a cup final and stuff like that. But Tynecastle is an exceptional day out as as anyway. Um, so you know, I think that I'd be very hard pressed to find anything that would beat it. To be honest, so absolutely, I cannot wait. Heather, I know you missed last week's podcast, but you were at Peter's Hill to watch the the women beat Hibs two 0 in the League Cup semi final. How impressed were you? Then, and just how impressed have you been with them again this season? Firstly, absolutely, on Sunday was, uh, I mean, absolutely horrific weather. And you would never have known from the way that they played. The goals are fantastic. Their togetherness, their tenacity, which is absolutely brilliant. And uh, as as we've all said this season, they're an absolute joy to watch. And they are uh, such a fantastic inspiration for for anyone young, old, whatever, just wanting to get involved in football. It's absolutely amazing, uh, and what achievement for them! S- such a such a great thing. And I think you know they're not just like hanging on to the top six, as David said. They're really making a place for themselves, and they're ready to chase hips, and they're ready to uh, to prove a lot of people wrong who kind of dismiss their abilities. And um, and yeah, I just think they're an absolute brilliant team and just so fun to be um to be involved with and um yeah as you said the cup final will be brilliant and um and I've just I just I, you know we really struggled and we when we got top six like the, the the men's team and we absolutely crumbled that season and just to see how hard they've worked they've never wavered and they've kept their same mentality throughout and you know some of the I mean we talk about their, their team is absolutely amazing and their togetherness etc but there's some absolutely incredible individuals in there who just love Thistle and are just absolutely brilliant. You know, 
the goals and the goals there against Montrose, Cara Henderson and Claire Dalkersy, Rosie Slater and Demi, they're just all fantastic and uh, I think we're we're so lucky to be witnessing probably some one of the, the, the best team that the Thistle ladies have ever had. And I have to mention Rachel Donaldson there because uh, she is, I think, I think she's the goal. Uh, absolutely unreal. David, you mentioned last week how many goals the, the women seem to score from distance. I suppose Claire Dockery's just about falls into that category. That was a really good strike. It was actually a really good ball. It was a good move. It was a great move, actually. Uh, it was a good team goal. But the pass to her from Lucy Sinclair was brilliant. And obviously the strike from, from Docker is brilliant as well. And then on the other end of the, the goal spectrum to that, Cara Henderson has scored such a Brian Graham goal, just sort of lingering in the six-yard box and managing to just get a, get a finish. It's not the prettiest goal, but, you know, they all count. It's... That, I think that's a good addition to her game this season because she played most of her, her football out wide last season and she's moved, taken the number nine jersey and moved up front. And you can sort of see the, the effect of three training sessions with Brian Graham is having on her as well. So, yeah, congratulations to them. Another another excellent season and it's not finished yet. We do not have a, a men's game to preview this week. So we have a mailbag of questions from the listeners and we have lots and lots of good ones to get through. And I'll start with you. This first first one came in from Jack Carson last week, actually. He's asked, if you could go to the pub with one player from the men's team and one player from the women's team, who would you go with? And he has suggested Stevie Lawless and Claire Doherty. I imagine Stevie Lawless would come out with some wild conspiracy theories after a pint or two. Do you have any other players you would like to go down for a pint with? I think I'd have to go with Siri. Um, I don't know if you saw him on Saturday when Jack Millen went down in the way that he like jumped up like a gazelle. But I think also from seeing his singing and his dancing on various Snapchats, Instagrams, etc. I think it has to be with Siri. I think he's an absolute character. And the way that he was at the women's game going around and talking to everyone, I just think he's I think he's everyone's favourite Thistle player. Uh, like right now, like just as like a human. And uh, and I think, uh, yeah, it has to be with Siri. And I mean, I'm really biased because I know Rachel personally and I think she's absolutely I think she'd be so fun, like on a night out, good chat, etc. But if it's not someone that I know personally like that, then I definitely go Claire Doc as well. I mean, we were t- my brother and I were talking recently about the fact that like Claire Doherty is Jack Carson, or like Jack Carson is Claire Doherty. They are so similar, and like the way they look, the way they speak, everything. So like we we think there's some sort of conspiracy there. Like have Jack and Claire being in the same room like at the same time. But I think she's absolutely hilarious and. Would just be would yeah just be on it so yeah I take Waz and and Claire Doc. I'm gonna ask you this question as well, David. I'm not gonna come around to everyone for every question, but I'll ask you as well, David. I, I love your Waziri Williams shout though, Heather. Do you remember the was it the St Andrews Day video that the club put out with Waziri Williams and Tommy Adley, and they were just trying Scottish products? I'd like to continue that in the pub, just like pint of tenants outside for a haggis supper after a pint or two. Um, that sort of sounds like that could be up your street as well, David. Yeah, no, no definitely. I, I'd like to see Waziri with a packet of scampi fries for sure. Um, yeah. But um, I went for this. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by Luke McBeth after his interview that he did when he came. And it's quite clear that no one has ever media trained him in his life. And I mean that as a compliment. Because I, I think I've talked on here before about how I find all footballers to be quite dull and they all have the same hobbies and talk very similar to each other and they're all media trained. He isn't. He's a guy for the juniors who's came up and he's loving every minute of it. And I think it'd be good to go for a pipe with him. And in terms of the woman, I would go. I, I would probably choose Cara Henderson purely because, well, 
obviously she's an incredible uh, player for us. But I'm fairly sure we we had Cara Henderson on a couple of months ago on the podcast. I'm I'm sure it was her that had done this. And I, I interviewed her and I was talking away and just kind of making general chat before. And I was like, what you, what you up to this weekend or whatever, something like that. And she was mentioned that she was reading a book on Stalingrad um, at the time. <laughs> and, and, I, and I was like, finally, a footballer that said it's Stalingrad and go film Mark Corrigan on this. And yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm fairly sure it was Cara Hendel who was reading a book about Stalingrad. Apologies if it wasn't, but yeah, Cara Hendel or the person I've mistaken for Cara Hendel who wrote the book on Stalingrad. Yeah, I'll be there. Peep show night out. Sounds good. Uh, Reese, next up, Ross Alexander, friend of the show, asks if you could go. I think we've asked this before, but we'll ask it again. If you could go back in a TARDIS to watch the Thistle game, and he has excluded the twenty-one and seventy-one Cup finals, what game would you go back to watch? If I'm being honest with you, I would go back to four-two at Tynecastle, the night we stayed up and our first season back in the Premiership, twenty thirteen. I just, I always say that that was my favourite ever Thistle game, and I was there for. Obviously, winning the league at, at Falkirk and obviously every other good day that has came since. But I, something was just special about that night. There was a massive following uh, of Thistle fans there that night. I remember I was meant to be on a school trip like, and a lot of my pals from school, weirdly enough, were all Thistle fans as well, which is obviously quite uncommon. Um, th- there's so many Thistle fans that you went to school with, but a, a lot of them all went on the trip. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going on a trip because we're playing hearts away. And everyone's like, why? Just come on the school trip. Do you know what I mean? It was like one of those kind of residential once and I was like nah nah I need to go to Tynecastle and honestly it was the best decision I ever made and I still say to this day that was my favourite ever Thistle game just the goals that we scored the atmosphere just the memories of that night every photo from that night is just iconic Thistle nostalgia um, and I, to me I would love to to see that one again I would, I'd relive that anything. I'll stick with you Reese, for the next one this has come in from Dave Donnelly who's god bless he has sent an art full note page of notes of partridge thistle questions which we will get through some of uh, ross alexander again has also asked the same question they've asked if you won 100 million what would you spend on partridge thistle or otherwise david said you can't spend on boring things like uh, the squad or stadium improvement so if you won 100 million in the lottery what are you spending that on in general or to thistle i mean w- would you how much uh, would you put in the thistle see that's a question like and you, you sit here and say, oh, 80 million of the 100 million when you're just talking shit. Do you know what I mean? If you're being honest, like, I, I would never know until it happened. Um, but I, definitely a couple million. Uh, more than what Colin Weir's got anyway. Whatever he gave us, I'd, I'd like to just up it a wee bit more just so you could get the bragging rights. But uh, <laughs> um, You've got your I eye mean, on the main stand, the Southern yeah, stand. I, I want the Jackie Husband stand too. So, um, <laughs> I, I, and I always think it was, it's a shame that we never ever got the training ground and ultimately there was no point after we got relegated and we ended up in League One, it would have been, it would have been a liberty having a, a training ground but at that stage. But honestly, it would have been brilliant and the, the players we would have attracted would just be, would have been a different level. So I would have liked to see us get a training ground and if I ever do win the lottery, I'd maybe get us a training ground somewhere just at the science parts or something, just that something dedicated to Fissel, it would have been nice. Um, Obviously, do do the stadium up a wee bit. Nothing mental. I wouldn't be tearing down stands and making it into a, a bowl that you see in so many of these lifeless stadiums. But I just a wee lick of paint here and there and a wee tidy up. But no, um, nothing crazy. David, I'll fling this one to you, but I'm going to say you're not allowed to answer anything, Partick Thistle. What would you do in your life if you won 100 million? 
Well, I mean, this is a sad thing, is that I, well, I'd, I'd, I'd have the greatest day of my life going into my job and telling them to shove it up their arse, um, to be honest. But, uh, anyone absolute, from your work listening to this podcast, David? Uh, we have one Thistle fan in our work, and he, he'd agree with me, so, and he'd love it as well. Um, so, um, no, um, the, the sad thing is, is I would probably quit my job, and do you know what? Draw as a draw would go, would be brilliant, because... I'd spend my, I'd just make podcasts in my full time job, doing lots of mad thistle podcasts and getting everybody involved and paying people to be on it and stuff like that, and just make it like an actual business. Um, that's the sad answer. Um, I'd also like, I don't know, probably like, I, I, yeah, I'd have a big shed of like podcasting gear and all like games consoles and all. That. Oh, and old man pints that we discussed before, the pub old man pints. I'd open that. Excellent. That'd be fine. Um, if anybody's got a spare hundred million, please do come in and fund. I'm going to say us. I hope David will take me on his journey. Uh, it's a cool venture so far, but yeah, you know. Thank you, David. End to get it over the line, Matt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, more from David Donnelly. David, I'll stick with you. What Scottish players would you like to see in a Royal Rumble? Uh, I think it, uh, I'll just say players, players or managers in Scottish football. Uh, we're not going to do racial segregation in the Royal Rumble. No, I know. It's not. Um, I, I would say, I, I know my winner. My winner, remember when Rafe Rovers had that guy from the Faroe Islands who was at six foot nine? <laughs> like, he was a striker. I, he'd be like, he'd be like uh, the, the winner for me. I don't know. I, I sat, in, I stood next to Scott Brown at the Scottish Youth Game, uh, the Youth Cup game on Friday, and uh, it's disconcerting. He's got hair now, but he's kind of also, his voice is less neddy now. So I usually would have said Scott Brown. Um, I think Stevie Lawless would be brilliant in it. I think I think he'd he'd have a ball, um, and we could get that Airdrie player who was just absolutely haranguing him uh, all, all game um, on Saturday as well. Um, but try and think who else you have. But no, I think that I think my my main star, you know, the the Fatal East race striker, he's the one going on the road to WrestleMania. Definitely, he's winning it. No bother. <laughs> Um, Heather, this is my favourite question Dave submitted. If Brian Graham was a condiment, what one would he be and why? Yeah, I really enjoyed that question too. And I like really played around with quite a few ideas. The one that I've settled with at the moment, and like I'm ready for hate, a lot of people questioning this, but I'm going to go with that Brian Graham is vinegar. And the reason I'm saying that is because vinegar makes its presence known like you like you like you smell it and you're like wow okay like that is like I know exactly what that is and it also le- like its presence is like felt for a very long time afterwards like it's in like like it is like it is so hard to like get out of your system slash get out of your clothes whatever and the way that Brian Graham plays is in like he makes himself known he leaves like he leaves it all out on the pitch his like defenders are you know falling in his wake and he is uh yeah but also i mean for people who love vinegar like for example like on their chips or whatever it also like really it like makes it makes a meal it adds that extra uh flavor that extra like thing that you want and that is what brian graham is he you know he completes he completes things he is never he never goes missing like he's never he's never missing any taste He's just there. He's present, and uh, and you can never forget him. And that's what vinegar is. I, I like the I like the show. I had to think about this one as well, uh, and I, I thought mustard. And I, I think it was Sean McGregor on the pod last month said Brian Graham was one of these players that 
you don't really realise how good he is until he plays for your club. Now, I sort of agree with that in the same sort of way Scott McDonald was, similarly. And I went through quite a lot of my life not really liking Mustard, and Mustard's been quite a, a recent addition to my palate. Um, and it's, it's also very versatile. Like you use it in marinades or you can have it in burgers, and it, it really enhances meals in a, a very positive way, but something that I wasn't too keen on until recently. So I'm going to go for, for mustard for Brian Graham. Um, David, last question from Dave. I'm afraid we're not going to get through Dave's all of Dave's questions. We have added them to the, the spreadsheet of potential partridge questions, but the, the only connect final is, is on at eight. So, you know, that takes uh, priority, I'm afraid. But David, how far can a dog run into the woods? Well, it's interesting that you, you asked me this question, right? Because well, first of all, the answer is it depends on the dog, right? Colin, my dog, won't leave like the, our house. Like he goes to the front gate and goes enough like this. I'm way back in the house. You have to like actually like force him to go outside and stuff like that. So he would run nowhere in the woods. He knows what side his bread is battered on. But my friend, he lives out in Helensborough, and they live backing on to a woods. So a big, huge bit of uh, forest land that. Um, just in there, just behind her back garden, and their dog got out a while ago, and it it was away for hours, and it it just kept running for ages and ages and ages, and then after about five and a half hours, as they're both having a panic attack because they think they've just lost their best pal, he just rocks back up at the back door waiting for his dinner. Um, so I think they can run very far in the woods based on Kaylin's performance um, <laughs> a couple of months ago. So yeah, I think it's you need to take it on a dog by dog basis. But there is potential there. Uh, I'll open this one up to anyone who wants to come in. Earlier on today, I heard somebody refer to um, the the COVID pandemic. You know that that thing that sort of affected the whole world for for years um, as the Panny D. So I'm going to ask you, all, what is the worst thing you have ever heard in your life? <laughs> That's that is horrific, Panny D. There's another one uh, I've heard that Cosy lives for uh, cost of living. Which is just equally as bad. That's that's two. That's two Glasgow uni for me. I love Cosy Lives. I use it all the time. <laughs> that's that's tough to hear, Heather. Well, I mean, use it ironically. Come on, mm. I try to think. Oh, you know what? Um, as you know, actually, I I, I love saying it. I'm saying it's the worst thing. I've, I actually love it. Like all the the boys that I teach, I'll say bear sass. That's bear sass. And uh, and but I, I, it's quite it's quite a rogue I think it's quite a rogue thing but yeah quite enjoy that but yeah it's rubbish. Mm. Worst thing I've heard oh actually you know what worst thing I heard was Peter's Hill on Sunday when someone offered me uh, a seat because they wanted me to be able to sit next to my man referring to my brother and I think that is that is still some of the worst thing I've heard like not it's obviously not their fault and and they're just doing it to be really kind and whatever but. See when people assume that my brother and I are in any sort of way affiliated like that, and that my nieces are my children. I just find it like that is the worst thing ever for me. David, a cosy lives is going to be mine. Um, to be honest, um, it's, it's it's really that sort of the platy jibs vibes, isn't it? As if you're putting oh, lies on things and shot and all. It's it's all out in the same playbook. It's horrible, and it needs to stop. I I agree. Um. Yeah, no, definitely. I think Platy Jubes was absolutely horrendous. I, I'm going to go with. Um, do you remember uh, when Jackie Lowe and Gary Caldwell used to do the the, the interviews that were looked like they were like filmed by like, a crumbling dictatorship? Insert joke here. Um, 
I I thought they were absolutely horrendous. That's probably uh, probably about it. That and the day you get pissed after Cove and try to host the pod. That was <laughs> sensational. That pod's still up. Yeah, yeah. I refuse to take Excellent. it down because I just find it's it really, really funny. I think that's the only pod I've never listened to back. Uh, I might one day. Um, right, two more. We're on the home stretch. Heather, I'll come to you. Traitors enthusiast. Which draw loser or draw panelist would do the best on the traitors? Matt, it has to be you. Absolutely. I back you a thousand percent. Just the way that you can, like, the way that you can control your voice. Like, and and I could just, like, look you dead in the eye and, and I'd believe you. So, I would a thousand percent say you. I think that David would try too hard to like wind everyone up and then end up like and end up like giving the game away. And then Jamie would overthink too much of everything. Thing is though, I think Race would be like a really good faithful and would be really good at like sussing out exactly who it was. And I'd be terrible. I'd just laugh. Like I'd be like Brian, like the nervousness and like totally um, like sabotage myself so Matt you are my traitor I don't know if that's a, a compliment or not uh, I might take that off air David you got thoughts on this yeah well so I have not seen the traitor shit right uh, and I, I probably should watch it because it sounds really up my alley but I love uh, board games and quite a lot of board games which have sort of a similar element to the traitors of sabotage and people you know uh, finding you know, hunting out moles and stuff like that and um i loved just being an agent of chaos in those games and like you know you know how uh, bob mortimer on would i lie to you you know how like sometimes when the story is true he'll like intentionally like make mistakes to make you think that he's made it up and he's lost the part of the story i love doing that sort of stuff and i i love um like convincing people like i i've like you know convinced people that I'm, I'm not like, you know, it's because a, a traitor's, a, my understanding of it, it's a bit like the game Wolf, if you ever played that, isn't yeah, it, where you're yeah, trying to hunt out wolves, yeah. yeah. So I, I, there's lots of board games that are like Wolf and that. And I love, um, e- even if I'm not like the Wolf or the traitor or whatever, just kind of throwing in some hints that I am, just to kind of throw them off the scent of whoever it is. Um, or otherwise just, you know, being really nice and kind and stuff like that and waiting a moment to strike. I, I have had people where I've like convinced them that they don't hold a card in their hand when they definitely do, uh, but I'll just tell everyone else that they don't, and to the point where they're like losing their minds because no one is believing them anymore because I'm, I'm just I is it's, it's in my hand it's in my you can't. Um, so I think that I, I, I Heather says I would I would like winding people up, but I do I do kind of go all over the place a bit with it and kind of just make you think I'm at aren't I and I think I'd go quite well with it because that that is generally my philosophy and these sort of things is just be an agent of chaos i would really say that if you watch the traitors you, you would amend your game plan because that is that's is not going to lead to a, a long stretch on, on that show david um it's, if, if you if there's a flicker of suspicion about you you're basically fucked reese any traitors contributions to be had here unfortunately not but it's all that i'm seeing on my my timeline it's consuming everything so i'm going to have to give it a watch is it is it really good yeah uh, it's certainly worth a watch yeah this, this two, that was the second season the first season was really good as well um yeah recommend Reese. i'll come to you this is the official partage thistle for this week for those who are keeping record which really is a note to self um which thistle player would you most like to partner up with in business and what would the business be 
I'm going to say Jack McMillan. Now the the reason for that is I just I just I I, I like what Jack McMillan's all about, um, and I think he's he either has something to do with a business already, or it's his pal's business that he promotes. But I think he might have something to do with it, and it's like a uh like a sports slash lifestyle sort of clothing thing. Um, I'm sure it's called A N E A. Now I can't remember what it stands for again. It's you'll be able to find it on Instagram or something. But no, I just I like Jack McMillan's sort of. He's got that aura about him. You know what I mean? So I think on the same sort of like-minded path that we could have a he'd be a good business partner. He'd go into business with. He seems calm, never gets uh, too heated, and it'd be it'd be a good business partner. That's my my thinking behind that one. David, I I was thinking. Um... Harry Milne, obviously from his time uh, working when he was part-time at Cove, and again going back to my business idea of Old Man Pints, um, he used to pull pints in pubs um, all around uh, you know, the north um, he seems to have a good knowledge of sort of bars and stuff like that, that makes it sound like he's an alky he's not, he's worked in bars right? and I find that he would be, I think he would be great to have pulling the pumps in the bar uh, I think he'd be, he'd be a, 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 good, a good asset I think in one of the first episodes after Harry Milne signed, I think it was Reese described Harry Milne as looking like a farmer's boy. And I've not been able to get out of my head that Harry Milne is a farmer, despite having absolutely no evidence of this. <laughs> I just he look, He's got that sort of farmer vibe. So I'll set up a, a business, an Aberdeen Angus um, steak, burgers, all that sort of shenanigans with Harry Milne, I think, as well, David. Um, we can split his time once he's hung up his boots. Um, Heather? I that... Sorry, just sorry, sorry, I think that concept, all the time, every time I see Harry Milne, I can't get that out of my head either. That it just he's got like <laughs> brute farmer strength. Like he does, he's not like amazingly athletically built or nothing, but he just looks absolutely solid. Like he spent all his days on the farm tossing <laughs> hay barrels and stuff since he's about five years old. Like it just it doesn't nothing seems to phase him. He just loves flying at the tackles, like smashing players and that. And I brilliant. I love guys like that. <laughs> Um, Heather, final word from you. Oh, this is tough. Um, I think I would, you know what, I quite enjoy this whole, like, you know how the goalkeepers recently keep on going on these, like, trips to make coffee or whatever? They seem quite good at it. So I'll go into business with Jamie Sneddon, uh, maybe like a cat cafe or something. That would be quite fun. I'd love to get involved in that as well, actually. That sounds great. Um, all of these players, if you're listening, please give us your money and, and invest in us. We'll be the ideas. You can be the face. Um, if, you've, if you've made it this far into this episode, I mean, really well done. Fair play to you. We have, I feel like we have done very well to get us to, to the hour mark, despite having no game to preview next week. Um, with next week being a, a free weekend for the men's team, we are going to do a, a draw, lose or draw quiz. We were planning a big sort of quiz series last year, which didn't materialise because of the in-person quizzes with Jazz for Good. Um, but we are going to do a, a sort of small quiz episode next week, so tune in for that. If you haven't already, catch up with some of our Draw Loser Draw monthly series where we take a look at every team in the championship month by month. The women's pod's still out, that's still relevant. Uh, I don't like that will age. Listen to that before the League Cup final. And as we mentioned, that League Cup final has been moved to the Sunday at Tynecastle, and tickets are on sale for that now, so make sure you get yourself along to Tynecastle and get yourself tickets for that. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Draw, Lose or Draw and we will be back next week. Stay safe.